Hello and welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, streaming live from Queens, New York. We're really glad that you decided to join us today. Whether you're a member, attend regularly, or this is your first time with us, we want to let you know we appreciate you. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. Well, good morning again. Uh, uh, Today we are kicking off, uh, as we mentioned earlier, a brand new teaching series called Treasure Chasers, Treasure Chasing, sorry, uh, where we are taking a look at, at what it really means to live in a world with this idol, this, this other factor of life that is completely unavoidable for us. We can't live without money, and yet it is the one thing that God compares to a master. That, that Jesus tells us, as we're going to look at, that we cannot serve both God and money. That he compares our finances, our money, our worldly possessions to this, this idol, this thing that we cannot live without. And yet, we are called to serve God above it. You know, it makes me think as we, we are talking about money and, and financial provisions and uh, what we have in this world, who we value, who has money. You know, we, uh, it feels like monthly are coming out with the, the, the most rich people in the world list. You know, who are the top billionaires of our time? And it makes me think of someone who usually doesn't make the list because he has been long dead and gone uh, for quite some time now. But John Rockefeller, uh, who was big here in New York, had spent a lot of time in New York, uh, was wildly successful. He was a businessman back at the turn of the uh, going into the 20th century at the end of the 18th uh, or at the end of the 1800s, moving into the 1900s. He helped start the Standard Oil Company, becoming the world's first billionaire uh, to ever walk the earth. His, his uh, assets and all that he was worth, his net worth, would accrued to about $1.4 billion uh, back in the early 1900s. So today, that would be about $190 billion, making him what some are considered the richest man to live in our modern era. He, he, uh, he uh, helped start this standard oil company. But you see, the thing that most people don't realize about John Rockefeller is that although he had amassed this incredible amount of wealth, when he passed, he only had $26 million to his name. Now, that seems $26 million. What are you complaining? I'm not trying to say his poverty uh, is what got him. But rather, over the course of his lifetime, John Rockefeller gave away over $550 million to different charities and humanitarian uh, needs and movements and organizations. He, he was incredibly generous to the point where people uh, actually accused him of being false uh, and having false motives with his giving. And he was often quoted saying, God gave me my money. And, and you see, it, it's easy to say that you're generous when you have that amount of money, right? See, we're sitting here and we would say, well, it's easy to be generous if you're John Rockefeller, you have the money to give. But John Rockefeller had learned to be generous long before he had any money. And see, growing up in a small town in Ohio, John Rockefeller learned that in his first job at 16 years old, 
where he was making a weekly salary of $3 a week, he learned to give 10% to the church and another 5% to a charity. See, John Rockefeller learned the, the art of being generous before he had money. And so then later in life, when he had a family and kids and unbelievable wealth, he would regularly sit at the breakfast table with his family and go through thousands of letters of people asking him for money simply because he had. And him and his family would decide who they could share that with and who they could help. See, his generosity preceded him. But again, none of us in here are billionaires, right? Uh, listen, if you're a billionaire and you're in here and you've just kind of been sitting on that low-key quiet, I would love to go out to dinner, let you treat, uh, and we could just talk. I would love to just build a, a friendship there. See, none of us are billionaires sitting here with all the money in the world. But even if we are, we can learn some lessons from what we're going to talk about today. See, because it's not about just the action of being generous. God doesn't want us to just be generous with our money. He wants that generosity to come out of the overflow of our heart. You see, it's interesting that in this room, we would all know we are here because of the common cause of Jesus. But that doesn't necessarily mean everybody here believes in Jesus. Some of you, maybe you're here and, and somebody invited you and you're just checking it out. And there seems to be this commonality among everyone who's here who would say they're a Christian. Maybe you're not quite as connected with that. But I'll tell you what we're all connected with is the fact that tomorrow you're going to think about your financial situation. And so am I. We're going to think about our bills and we're going to think about our paycheck and we're going to think about our savings and, and the things that are coming up that we need to pay for or vacation that we're looking forward to, but how much is it going to cost us? You see, money tends to connect everybody on earth. It is the way our world runs. And so Jesus, as he is speaking uh, to the crowd in what is known as the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew uh, chapters 5 and 6, is, is speaking to this crowd, and he's not teaching them how to act. He's going after their hearts. And then we have this passage where he's talking about our earthly possessions. And, and this, too, falls right in line that it is not about the, what he's talking about, but the heart and how we go about dealing with our finances. So we're going to jump in here in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 19. Jesus is teaching and he says, Don't store up treasures on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store yourself treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for the body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. Verse 24, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. And then Jesus wraps up by saying, you cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. 
This is some strong language that Jesus is giving here. He is, he is directly telling the crowd, amongst whom some serve God, that you cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. And maybe if you're like me, you read this and you hear, wait a minute, I, I, I think I serve God. What is it? Does that mean I'm, am I enslaved to money? Have I figured money? What does this mean? But again, you see, we are going for the heart here. Jesus is going after our hearts because he knows money isn't a physical issue. It's a spiritual issue. Let me say that again. Our financial situation isn't a physical issue. It's a spiritual issue. See, Jesus used this phrase in verse, 21, or in verse 19 here of storing treasure. See, he's not referring to the actual coins. He's not referring to, uh, you know, the monetary, what we would call dollars. He's using this word treasures, these treasures on earth, to get our viewpoint of what we value. See, our treasures are anything that passes away when we do. Anything that we cannot take with us into eternal life that stays on this earth. So that's not only our finances and our bank accounts, but it's the possessions that we accumulate. It's the career path that we're on. It's what we view as our, our five-year plan, our 10-year plan, our 20-year plan. It's our 401k and our savings and, and our IRA. All of those accounts, as you can tell, I'm not a, a financially savage person or a savvy person that I'm calling it an IRA, but uh, you, you get what I'm saying. And so we have these, these areas of our lives that we are so attached to because we cannot survive in this life without them. And yet Jesus is telling us to not store up these treasures on earth, but rather to store the treasures in heaven that we cannot lose, where moth cannot eat, rust cannot destroy, thieves cannot break in and steal. See, in this first part here, Jesus is encouraging his followers to give up this idea of needing to stockpile all that they have so that their security is in that, is in their, their finances. Their security is in the possessions of what they have. I'm going to take a minute and think about your life and the issues you face and what you're wrestling with. And if you really break it down and, and continue to ask the question of why, 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 what we often find is that the things that we're really looking for, our security, our peace of mind, our joy, our happiness, we tend to go to things that money, that our worldly possessions can solve for that. Right? If we're, we're looking to be happier to fill some of our time, we go and subscribe to every streaming service available so any show that we want to watch is available to us. If we want our kids to be happy and have a long life and to not need to worry about where their, their next meal is coming from or new clothes, we, we're focusing on how do I have the money to supply those things. If we're looking at the things that we want, I need a break, I need a vacation, I need just some time off. We're looking at the finances that will provide that happiness for us, that will provide that peace of mind for us. And although it's a very thin line to take a look at, because we do need money, 
I would love for you to decide that you want to go on a vacation uh, to another country, but have no money and see how that's going to work out, right? It probably won't. We need money in order to do things. And so it's not a matter of what do we do with this money that we have, but more where is our heart and our trust lying in that will help us direct what we are going to do with that money. See, verse 21, when he says, your treasure, uh, he, he finishes up that part by saying, wherever your treasure is, the desires of your heart will also be. See, I think that's really interesting because you would expect Jesus to say, hey, follow the desires of your heart and it'll lead to your treasures. But really what Jesus says is if you want to really know where your heart's desire is, look at where you put your money. Look at where your money goes. Because someone, as, as we become freer and freer of not needing this financial uh, stronghold that the world has equipped us with, we begin to realize that we have plenty to give. Our heart begins to change. Our motive begins to change. Our trust is now not in our bank account and the number that it says, but rather in the fact that no matter the number it says, God is our provider. That we can't serve money and God. When you hit that point of tension in your life where you're not sure how you're going to push past this financial spot, it either comes to God will do it or I will do it. And although, yes, you are the one working, it is the desire of the heart. It is that, that super thin line that we need to pay attention to and say, is my heart and my trust in this financial aspect working out? Or is my heart and my trust in the Lord, even if it doesn't? So he encourages us to lay up our treasures in heaven, trusting in him that we would be rich in our soul and in the things of the kingdom of God, and not that we wouldn't care and give up all of our money and live in poverty, but that our heart's desire, that our heart's motive would be in the correct place. It goes on in verse 22 to say, Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light that you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. Very symbolic point here that he just kind of throws in this passage. So we're going to come back to that, but we'll continue with verse 24 saying, No one can serve two masters, for he will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. This, this word money actually in this passage, uh, in that verse, if you go back to the, the Hebrew and the Greek, it's, it's referring more towards worldly possessions, more than physical, actual, like dollars and cents. You see, in this part of the passage, Jesus is changing the subject from treasure to master. See, he's now saying it's not about your treasure and what you do. It's about your heart. Where is your master? See, because you cannot work with all of your heart to supply financially everything you need and for your security to be in that alone and claim that your security is in God. You see, because the point that most of us come to is that we our, our money runs out. 
or we don't have enough for something we want or something that we need. Panic begins to grow. Fear begins to grow. I think almost every one of us in this room has experienced that feeling of what it's like when you know you don't have enough and you're not sure how it's going to come through. That moment right there is why Jesus is talking about money in this passage. Because he doesn't want our eyes so fixed on the problem and so fixed on the financial issue that we're having. But rather, God, in all of human history, for everyone who has claimed to follow him and is pursuing him, has used worldly money as a tool to draw our hearts back into him as a tool for us to look at our actions and realize, hey, you know what? My trust and my hope is all in the fact that this financial situation is going to work out. All of my hope and trust and the fact that I feel secured right now is locked up in the fact that I have this great job and this great career. Take a minute and, and just let your brain think of what, how you would feel should that security no longer be there. Some of us, maybe in your mind, you've worked through this a little and you're like, okay, God's got it. You feel faith. And even in that time, should it come, your heart will fail a little. Your fear will, will, will arise because we can't help but look and see at this financial, physical world that we live in. And yet God wants us to pay attention to that and to make sure that our heart is locked and sold on him. We cannot serve both God and money. And then we have these two verses in the middle of this passage, verses 22 and 23, that seem to tie in zero with the rest of this passage about money. Right? Jesus says, Your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. Your eye, when your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. Let me ask you guys a question here. If, if anybody, I, I would like for you to raise your hand right now. If you woke up in a bed today, okay? And let me keep your hand raised if you have ate food, you've had the ability to eat food in the last 48 hours. You've had a meal. Okay, so when we really look at all of the things that we are needing from God, some of those important key things, how often are we thinking of the simplistic needs that God has provided for us? You see, what Jesus is saying here, the eye is the window into your mind. What you see, what you perceive, your perspective is how your brain is going to follow suit of thinking. And so if your brain is continuously trained, your eye is trained on all of the lack that you have, all you will see is lack. If your brain and your eye is trained on that number of your bank account, then your peace and your joy is going to fluctuate with that number. If your eye is trained on the fact that you need healing or peace or restoration and hope, and all you can do is focus on that thing that you don't have, your light will be dim. Your body, as, as Jesus is saying, will be filled with that darkness. But what we know in Jesus is the hope that we have. 
That elsewhere in scripture, it says that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. That God created this world, he created us, and he owns it all. And so we can now train our eye on light. We can fix our eye and our perspective on all that we do have. On the good things that we have. On the light that God has brought in our life. To help change the perspective of what we are looking for. We can look at God's word. We can see the hope that we have that Jesus says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. We can focus on that in our time of trouble. We can focus on the fact of, of the fact that we, are, we need healing or we need provision or we need a relationship in our life to be restored. And we can hyper-focus on how that hasn't changed. It's been months, God. It's been years, God. It's been decades, God. You're gone. I'm still lost. Or we can begin to let worship flood in our hearts. We can begin to right-size and put our right worshipful focus back to God instead of the money, the problem, the pain. We can begin to change our perspective and realize that as we begin to let that light in, as we begin to remind ourselves and remind our soul that God is good, that he's taking care of me, that he supplies everything I need, that even though I can look at this insane negative balance in my bank account, even though the fact that I'm on my way home right now without a job because I was just laid off, even though I have no idea how rent is going to get paid, I know that God has got me. I know that he'll provide for me. Church, I can't tell you your financial situations in this room. I don't, I don't know all of them. But I want you to ask yourself a question. As we are mutually being encouraged in the word of God today, do you feel more light inside of you? Do you feel a little bit more peace with that financial struggle you've been looking at than you did a minute ago? That's because your eyes have turned, because your perspective has shifted to God. When we come to church, that's what we do. That's the power of church, is collectively, we have almost 100 people here focusing on God. We're letting light into our bodies. We're letting light into our lives. And we're beginning to see through a new perspective, through a new lens. And so church, as we jump into this series, it's, it's going to be a powerful series because there is nothing, nothing on earth that more connects us than God and money. And Jesus highlights that here by saying, both of these can be your master, but not together. That we have to choose whether we're going to put our hope and our trust in God or in the security of our financial situation and in the wealth and the possessions that we've accumulated on earth? Are we going to trust our hearts to God when our minds are telling us that our security has to be found in other things? Or are we going to allow that fear to continue to run our lives and continue to keep us enslaved to this idea that I have to make the money work because else, or else what am I going to do? We can see the tension on why this is something Jesus compares to another master for us. And so church, let's together in this series, 
take a step into the light. Begin this week to retrain our perspective on all of the things that we have. A good bed, a good home, food, family, people that love us. A church that we can come and, and recenter and recharge each week. Maybe you're thankful this week a little more for that job that you cursed last week. Because it's giving you some security. It's giving you some financial provision. See, it's not about what you do with the money. It's about where your heart is in regards to that. Because out of the overflow of that heart, our financial decisions will be more aimed Godward as well. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Heavenly Father, we, um, we submit all of this to you. God, we submit this, this, uh, this topic, this part of our lives, this area of our lives where we need so much of your presence. We need so much help because we are so in need of a Savior. And our mind and our hearts in this world want to go towards wealth and money and, and security in what we have. But God, would you help us see differently? God, would you, would you shake our, our worldview that our hope and our security is found in the things of this world? And would you help us to remember that you are above all of that? That our hope and our security is in you, our God, even if everything else fails. And although not one of us in this room wants to get to the point to put that to the test, would you help our hearts to know it? Would you deepen our trust of you? And would you release our grip on the security that comes through having money? We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.